0: Welcome to part two of the Fantastic World. I'm Greg Airbar, author of Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History. We're back with our guest, Greg Berg, to hear about his ongoing career as a Hollywood voice actor. Let's rejoin Greg as he talks about his meeting with Casey Kasem.
1: Eventually, I even met Casey at a, a charity event and i threw out doing casey casem and i said oh casey's here uh you know casey i do your voice and i went into i'm casey casem keep your feet on the ground when you smoke cigars <laughs> and uh afterwards his wife brought him up to me, and she says casey tell me how you used to do those records in the 50s and he says oh no no I, I, i'm not doing records and she goes no do the one and so then he did here's the stacks of wax that play all the hits way back when, you know, <laughs> and I said,
0: oh, okay. <laughs> you were in a direct-to-video version of Here Comes Peter Cottontail, which was originally a Rankin-Bass stop motion. This was a, a CG sort of remake, but not quite, and you were doing the voice of Montresar the bat that Iron Tail flew around on, but they should have cast you as Casey Kasem's, who was the lead, he was Peter. Did you audition for that?
1: I didn't even go out for that, but that's what happens in this business. I mean, then people would peg you as the guy who does alike. Mm. But I have done my original voice in some TV commercials, like for Sunny Delight. I was a voice in uh, the Golden Graham cereal commercial as the Honey Drop. They were trying to do a new mascot for their cereal. Just a of Golden Like honey, graham crackers, crispy, crunchy all the way Oh yeah, it's gonna be a golden graham's day Tastes like crisp little honey graham crackers Made to stay crispy and crunchy in milk Part of this good, nutritious breakfast Just a kiss of golden honey, makes saying, Oh yeah, it's gonna be a golden graham's day had the honey bee, and I was a honey drop that skated around on a skateboard and the kids saying and give them high fives and all that kind of thing. Then in the late 90s I was the voice of Kiko Man for Kiko Man teriyaki sauce. Here's a way to please the entire family. Start with roasted garlic teriyaki from the expert. Add chicken, oregano, and ta-da!
0: Make an original with Kiko Man, the original teriyaki. The and that commercial ran like crazy on cable at the time,
1: done by Will Binton Studio. This was a claimated character. And then after three years, I heard from the commercial people that said, We're not doing any more of these and i thought was it something i said or something and then they said no they had a new president of the ecoman company and he didn't think animation uh, is good to mix with the food product and i thought well uh, it didn't it didn't work well for pillsbury did it It was about that time. They didn't have the Pillsbury Doughboy saying much anymore since then. And so I think it was a trend that started.
0: All it would take would be somebody very high up saying, I don't like the color chartreuse. And it's like, chartreuse is out. Take out chartreuse. He won't want it. We'll lose our campaign. (laughs) About right. Something was going on, but the looping thing is very interesting in a lot of ways. One is that some people are taken aback somewhat when they learn that in classic musicals, somebody else was singing. And at a long time, it was a secret. But then with the dawn of Marnie Nixon and people like that and Bill Lee, it became well known, even in animated features like Mulan and Aladdin, they would have a separate singing voice and a separate talking voice. That's what Henry Corden was originally with Fred Flintstone. But for some reason in live action, they're taken aback that, oh my goodness, Christopher Plummer isn't singing. How could they do that? But it's no different than their voice being looped and you aren't supposed to be aware of it. It just enhances the film. You don't always see them when they're driving that second unit. They're not in those cars most of the time, or it's stunt people or stunt doubles. When you see closest up of hands, it's not necessarily those things. So it's a motion picture, folks. And whatever makes it better, I would think that having a fine vocalist Uh, singing your song for you is better than everybody making fun of how poorly you sing or that you were auto-tuned forever. Deborah Carr was very smart. She made Marnie Nixon her partner in the character, and they acted it together. It's all part of the art of filmmaking. But when it's really well done, it's the way you do it. You know what I noticed when you did Augie Doggy, And this is what goes back to the way a voice actor acts. You said you can do about five different voices, but you vary them. Augie Doggie is nothing like Elroy, and he's nothing like the other little kid voices. Augie has a certain childlike quality. Elroy has a sense of wonder. A chilly Willie, you know, that's the voice too. But it's not the same tone. It's not the same person.
1: Sure. No, and getting back to Rich Little, he revoiced a lot of Tony Curtis and some like it hot.
0: Yeah. And he's not doing the Tony Curtis impression he would do on the Merv Griffin show. He's doing Tony Curtis performing.
1: Yeah, if I'm playing around on stage, I would do takeoffs of the character, but you would know it's them. But if I were to do the actual voice, I, you know, like Don Knotts is another one that comes to mind. I could basically do that Nuts uh, from Andy Griffith's show, right? (laughs) Not like this. But if you try to do him from Three's Company, well, he's like this, uh, Mr. Burley,
0: you know? Yeah. You mentioned Jerry Lewis. It's like the Nutty Professor. There are two Jerrys. There's, you know, we knew that there was a, uh, uh, we had a comedy in the love of the thing, and then there's a ah, Jerry. You know, there's two different Jerrys.
1: Right. Sometimes I see... The impressions and again the impressions is acting like but it's not uh, recreating which is the art that i'm
0: involved in another uh pretty high profile dubbing you were mentioning earlier about having to take the naughty words out when smoking the bandit was on cbs that got a lot of press because jackie gleason's character was like every other word and yeah. when it was on and i knew it was henry Corden. Doing his looping, because he sounds so much like Gleason. Also, Joe Alasky uh, had done some things for Gleason. It's like, if you catch it because you know voice acting, cool. But if you don't, hey, that's why they do it that way. You got to know Henry Corden fairly well.
1: I knew Henry Corden when I moved into town because he was one of the interviewees on the celebrity talk shows I did back in Ohio. We would have lunch, dinners, and things like this. Out of respect and uh, being a friend with him, I wasn't going to be there to say, Hey, I do your voice and I want to do that character if you can't. I'm not pushy like that. Towards the end of his life, when he couldn't do certain voices anymore, he did recommend to somebody casting in advertising to replace him for the Fred Flintstone voice for future commercials. And I'm a mid-to-light voice. He's a bassy voice and big guy and all. So I did try for it, but again, I couldn't touch what he was doing. Mr. Spock! My search for something super-chocolatey has led me here. Must be my delicious cocoa Pebbles. Fascinating. They're yours if you take me on the Enterprise. Mmm, chocolatey feast. Feed me up. Dino. Dino. Bonnie, my Pebbles. Whoops, be the help. Those cocoa Pebbles
0: cereal, part of this nutrition... It's very nice that Henry Corden suggested you for Fred, whether or not you thought you could, but you can do a uh, deep-ish voice. Alan Reed's version of Fred wasn't as deep as Henry Corden's was. There are people who, in voice acting at least, it seems, who do recommend one another. Say, that's not really mine, but I know somebody who. It seems like there is a little bit more of a kinship in that way. Do you find it that way, or is it pretty fiercely competitive?
1: Well... I do know people that are regular voice matchers and all that. So there are those out there that might even these days say, hey, if they ever need somebody like a Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. But again, I did for Sutherland where they auditioned for it and I matched what they needed. I was on Fame and Chips doing a lot of looping and ADR work. Uh, I did The Simpsons for six years, five or six years. It was just like, Greg, do this radio guy and then do a homeless guy and a security guard. <laughs> on Night Court, they were doing an episode where they had a flashback to one of the characters uh, when they were in the Vietnam War during a Bob Hope show. They wanted to create something that Bob Hope was there in the background or on stage, and they hired me for it because they needed a young Bob Hope.
0: Hmm. I think it's fascinating. And let's also talk about what you've got coming up.
1: Okay. Uh, the last project that I was on that people heard me on, at least, because sometimes you do behind the scene things, or test tracks of things, uh, was a show called White House Plumbers that was on HBO. It's a story about the Watergate incident going on, uh, John Dean and Alderman and all these characters. And I was the voice of a 70s newscaster talking about, today in Washington... Right after that, the strike took place, and so we were all trying to get back up on our feet to try to get more theatrical work and all that. So right now, I've got podcasts and appearances, and I also do the convention signing. This past November, I was at the LASCON, which is a 46th uh, science fiction convention they held in Los Angeles, and I gave three talks talking about success as a voice person or multi-voice work, things like that. So, yeah, I'm all around uh, open for business. (laughs) These normal voices in animation is a whole other business to talk about. It still sticks with me that they're using average voices or not silly voices in in an animated situation. Okay, it's up to whoever's buying the product, I guess, or the ad, but it gets me when comparing it to something silly for an animated character, not just the guy talking. There had been a commercial that I read for. They said, okay, it's a talking vegetable. I looked at it, the teeth were crooked, one eye was kind of off balance and all that. And uh, he's supposed to say, hey, why don't you try this kind of food? You know. Well, the commercial comes out and it's somebody saying, hey, you gonna cook that? Why don't you try some of this? <laughs> and hmm. I thought, that's just like a guy in another room. What if, yeah. It's not a talking vegetable. What is it? But that's what they went with?
0: That's an interesting aspect. Honestly, it, all creative arts go in trends, whether it's movies, TV, music, and advertising. In a way, what you're describing is the way the early 70s was. Because uh, I don't know if you ever saw the point which is a beautifully done feature film made for television. It had Harry Nielsen music in it, and it had people like Paul Frees and stuff, but they were all directed to play it super underplayed, super low-key. And Fantastic Mr. Fox was done that way. Between the celebrity voices and the professional voice actors, they were playing it very mellow. That was very 70s to me, because I remember the R.O. Blackman cartoons, and some of those were the 60s, the John and Faith Hubbley things. There was this trend away from funny voices, but it all turns around and comes back, and there's a place for both. There's always a place for both. And it's also helpful when you're doing a read that they let you know we're looking for this type of thing so you don't get blindsided but i think you're capable of both of those things quite well
1: that's why i covered myself from knowing what my real voice is and where to use it they will tell me occasionally uh, say we don't want a silly woman here or there yeah and that's fine i listen to what they did.
0: they test them they focus group them and that's the latest thing now but It was like that in the 70s. All print ads ended in a period and were in lowercase letters. In the 50s, everything ended in an exclamation point. So what goes around comes around, you know.
1: They'll tell you, don't do it so cartoony. And then that cartoon that's been out called Cuphead's they were doing it in the pleasure type of genre. Of
0: yes, movie. yes, that's my whole point, is that you don't know what's coming down the bend. You really don't really know, and then everybody, if something is really huge, they'll all jump on it, and then suddenly that's the way they're all doing it. So it's very hard to predict, but that's part of the adventure, I guess.
1: No, well, this is, yeah, one of the aspects of doing voices and being in it uh, devoted to this as much because... Doing Fozzie Bear, Baby Fozzie Bear, eventually that led to me doing the grown-up Fozzie when Muppet Babies turned into Muppet Babies and Monsters, and they would have an animated Kermit and Fozzie walking down the street, the older versions.
0: And this is all good information for aspiring voice actors, that you have separate resumes, or you alter your resumes, depending, or do you have, I do these straight voices, these are my character voices.
1: Yeah, I, I do add, depending what they're looking for, because sometimes they'll say, well, we only do commercials, and I'd say, well, do you do animated commercials and that? So if they need a resume, I have a basic theatrical resume of shows I did on camera, and then an addition of the animation shows uh these days whatever resumes are some people say resumes what's that yeah (laughs) but i stopped listing my voice alikes once i hit a hundred and when we talk about multi-voicing i do those hundred but then if i did a slight accent to them that's another hundred voices Mm -hmm. so at least they know they're going to get somebody who can do this I've gotten a lot of compliments from studio engineers that say, well, you came in here and you didn't say, wait, let me try it again. Let me do this. And then I say, I go in there, I said, here's the voice. And I give it to them and they say, well, that cut out uh, a good hour of editing time for us to play with it and do this. Just give me the direction and I'll take it and maybe we'll discover something too. So it's an interesting business to me. I mean, there's so many... Uh, small rooms you can go into like you're doing your show here with subjects that I, I haven't heard anybody else do.
0: Do you ever go to auditions where there's somebody some director or lofty legendary person that kind of is intimidating to do the voice in front of them?
1: I'm never intimidated doing the voice. In my early days I remember having not enough experience to pull off like a, a medical commercial once, and I had to say cholesterol, and I kept loving it going, cholesterol, cholesterol, and, and I thought, well, the engineer didn't even jump in and say, just break it down this way and say cholesterol, because when you rush something, you might club the word or if it's a name. So that's all in the prep now
0: uh, ahead of time. If you're going to say these words, know what they are you 've been very open about how you approach the very roller coastery kind of career this is because you you never know from one to the next, but you 've worked steadily, and for those who are considering this career, how do you deal with what you just said you don 't always know why you didn 't get it you 're not always going to get everything. How do you move on and just keep going?
1: From the way I was brought up in the Midwest in Ohio. I credit that to my demeanor because (laughs) I I started to write a stand-up routine where I introduced myself and said, I came from a town uh, and a family that nothing bothers us. We're just what we do. And we go to the store and a guy said he didn't have something there. And we just said, oh, okay. (laughs) And we walked away. And that would lead to some of the other things that I do with my boys and all that, but that was the introduction to say we didn't have anything that bothered us. <laughs> that really must've been fun to watch where he, even if he did it seriously saying, you know, in the first chapter, you know, and, and he read it with that presentation,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Either, either. Anyway.
1: So yeah, I, I just say I'm just this guy from the Midwest, and quite a few people I meet at the conventions say, "You yeah, know, you're a very down to earth guy." I said, "Well, why am I supposed to do something else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just this guy that because nobody in my family too, it and no had ever done anything in the entertainment industry. I was the breakaway. I picked up on my own uh, way to study and okay that's what you have to do and then if somebody asks you a question you answer them and all that but I know uh, when I auditioned for things at major studios I came in they said okay read this I read it and they said okay very good thank you and I said okay see you know where to call me and they were like, oh. And I said, well, well, what's the matter? And they said, well, you know, we get these guys who come in here say, what day what, what are they going to start this? Now, are they going to need this? Uh, do I have to show up? Or are they going <laughs> to... That's why you have some people move back to where they came from, because they were like, I'm just uh, doing what I do, but I'm not getting anything. for Whatever their reasons are, uh, they want to have a decent family and all this. This is by no way a decent living, but it can be. And you just... I'm into positive mental attitude ever since somebody pointed it out to me in my early days because at one point they thought I was always coming up with excuses. And they said, if you do this, you're going to see all the doors open for you. And I did it. And one started and another and another. So I said, I'm on the right track. And now I tell people this when I give talks. I can either talk about my work or I can show them how they can do whatever they want to do. Goals say because I use it based on me, somebody who came from no entertainment background whatsoever. Now on uh, worldly <laughs> cartoon shows and <laughs> famous movies and all that. So I'm hoping to stay the same way I've always been. And uh, that was a venue of what I'm doing currently is appearances to speak. I got so many prizes for of this business that I'm looking to give back to the
0: it does come back to you, and it's, it's really the best way to live. I really admire your philosophy, and I'd like to share with everyone how they keep up with what you're doing.
1: I, I use Facebook now to post anything coming up or something they should look for. Like if I'm going to do a convention, I've, whether it's a keynote speech or just talk about me and work that is out there. I'm not going to do the uh, Tony Robbins thing with arenas. I never aspired to want to do that. But in my learning of success and uh, pursuing goals in life, I I learned that you could go up to people. They all have a goal, but do they really desire what they want to do? And I tell them how to get that start. You know, I've seen some former actors from the past, retro actors and all that from the 60s and 70s. They're doing what is uh, motivational speaking, talking about how great everything can be and all that. I more or less do like a transformational talk showing them go from this point to this point. If you're trying to get a goal, I can give you a three-step talk on how to do it. So to reach me, yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, Greg Berg, but there's a couple other Greg Bergs, so you got to see the one that relates to me in my profile of something to do with voicing. the other one's a musician and a writer.
0: Then it's B E R G. It's not Burger, and he has two G's and an E R. So that's the different person,
1: right? But I did get carryovers. People saying, "Yeah, we liked you in Garfield, I see old, but he was O.D. Oh, so when I don't do the Facebook kind of thing for chatting because I'm not much of a chatter on Facebook, I do give out my um, business email, which is I do voices at yahoo
0: I do voices at yahoo.com.
1: Right. If you say something like, hey, there's a con in our town and we'd love to see you at it. Somebody that had a question.
0: Yeah. If it's not a just how do I get into it, because there is no clear path. Everybody gets into it a different way. But if you live in a certain place or you have a certain opportunity, or even if like we've talked about, if it hasn't worked out, how do I look at that?
1: That's the instructional part of things. And if they're just saying, how do I start? Are there books out there? Well, there's bookstores full of voiceover books. Uh, Some are hundreds of pages long. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I just encourage anybody with a talent to see where it takes them. And mm -hmm. sometimes you will make money off of it. And sometimes, uh, who knows, you might just be that one voice that somebody needs and always go to you for it.
0: Well, a lot of it is tenacity, too, like we were saying before. You fall into the net, or you learn to roll, learn how to fall, as much as you learn how to grab the next trapeze.
1: Right, and I learned it somewhere along the line, where I just felt that from inside. Mm-hmm. I work from inside. What encourages me, like I say, where I hear a voice, and then I say, hey, I'm going to try to work
0: on it. I don't know if you know who David is. This is. Of really course, cool. yeah. Oh, I- he was a very
1: popular comedian, and... Uh, I have a tendency to imitate comedians just because it makes me laugh. It took me three months to finally mix and match and listen to him and play it back. And it wound up coming out like this. Hi, this is David Brenner. You ever notice this? You do this in the morning when the radio alarm clock goes off. You ever reach over and put the snooze button on? You ever do that? (laughs) (laughs) eventually met him and one time somebody put me on a radio together with him to do back and forth. And I even did one of his jokes to him where I said, I was on a bus and a guy comes up and, uh, and he's saying, you're funny, you're funny. I said, oh, thanks. I thought he saw me on TV. Turns out he went up to everybody on the bus. You're funny, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the only one that talked back to him and so said, thank you. <laughs> we did that joke. And then he goes, well, I was on a train. <laughs> so get the approval at least
0: I'm hearing Mr. Jinx in there too
1: well basically uh, yeah he's more in the back of the throat kind of like maybe even like Kermit
0: he's, he's one of Jinx. my favorites uh, Jinx is a great character
1: Oh, those two mises are gonna be the end of me yet
0: <laughs> oh well you yeah. know I really do appreciate and I think everyone listening appreciates not only your talent but also the person that you've shared in this interview. So I want to thank you and wish you all the best and we'll be looking, looking and listening for you. And and thank you very, very much for being on our podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I, I'm, to me, it's all over the place. Uh, it opened up like a flower. saying, <laughs> so, okay, we went <laughs> here hear it there. Because I, mean, I am guided by other hosts where they say, okay, let's talk about how you got started. Or the other one would just say, uh, can you tell us how to do voice work? What does it take? And all that. But, I mean, this is my life. I'm always wide-eyed and to see anything to do with voice cartoons uh, guiding me, saying, you know, like Archie Bunker, it's like, Oh, jeez, you're going to do that again? Jeez, <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. That's one of the hundred. That's a lot of voices. That's a lot of talent. And we've had a lot of fun. So, again, I thank you. I thank everyone for listening. I hope you continue to listen to our next exciting episodes. Please subscribe. And most of all, just please be with us again. But until then, bye-bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara with Greg Airbar. Please join us again and many thanks for listening.